welcome to the Leader's Life Podcast, where we implement that old school grind with that new school mind. What is up, fam? I am your host, Amar. And before we get started, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never, ever miss out. Now, in our expert series, I have an amazing person, an amazing friend. He is a badass coach, a Hall of Fame sales performer. He is an elite coach for Rob Dial's coaching program and a professional hippie with his professional hippie podcast. With further ado, my buddy, my friend, Colton Melbourne. What's up, my man? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Doing amazing, bro. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. A little little rushed this morning, right? Today was like a, a busy day, not a productive well, day, but we're getting started. Hey, we are. And and first off, I want to talk. Colton just made a purchase of an RV. And I'm just going to throw that out there because yeah. I've owned an RV for a few years and we just got rid of it. And I just want to let you know for everybody who's who's campers, RVs, or thinking about it, let them know how it's been for the first well, couple of days that you've owned it. I mean, it's a mixed bag of nuts because I'm a handy guy. Like I love fixing things. And so when I bought a house in Tampa, it turned out to be a lemon. That was right when COVID had hit. And that was kind of a serendipitous timing. That gave me a lot of purpose, a lot of meaning to just fix things. And I really didn't want that with the RV. <laughs> I didn't, but here we are. So yeah, it's the last couple of days. It was smooth at first. And now it's just like, what are you going to do? You know, stuff happens. Oh yeah, man. I just let you know, you know, I'm a city boy from New York. And when we bought our RV, it was a 35 foot like big boy. And I remember with this RV, I went to the mechanic and had him go through the whole panel and still have about 57 videos of every little thing that went wrong. And then when we were at the camping ground and we had an issue, I was like, shit, I can't even find the video. So I ended up calling the warranty company and they coming out there and fixed it all. But I do know that I had the best time. So I'm glad that you did pull the trigger and get in that. But let's just fast forward right now. And before we get started, why don't you just give us a little bio of who Colton is? Mm. who you are and what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, originally from the panhandle of Florida. So I'm from Panama City, Florida. And in a professional sense, the way I got to where I'm at is I sell in knives. Honestly, that was kind of where I, I cut my teeth, so to speak, in sales and leadership and learning. And at 17, I was on a roofing crew, just trying to figure out a way to make some money, earn some scratch, get to college. And you take one look at me, you know, hey, this skin probably doesn't belong anywhere near a roof. You know, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not built for it, man. I mean, and so, yeah, I got a random letter call. And, and so anyway, that preceded a decade or so in that career and helping mentor and build a pretty decent book of business and, and great relationships with customers. And now I help coaches build their coaching businesses alongside Rob Dial, part of that team. And yeah, I host my own podcast, Professional Hippies. It, I'm, I'm really passionate about not just developing professionally, but also helping people kind of unlock their creative side. I, I think a dialogue I'm seeing open in my circles is creativity really allows competitiveness to flourish. And if you're always focused on achieving and going after that, you might not be tapping into your highest potential because there's solutions outside of your awareness that you're not inviting in because you're just so focused on the next milestone. You're not necessarily inviting in a quantum leap and evolution. So 
that's a little bit about me, but also kind of what I'm focused on now and future. No, that's, I love that, man. And what's pretty cool about what you're saying is that you're, from what I got from that, is that instead of you said doing the quantum leap, you're kind of staying put, but being a salesperson, I know for me personally, like when I was in the game and in the numbers game, it was always chasing the numbers. When did that switch for you? Because I know, as I said, you're a Hall of Fame sales performer and everything that you've touched. I mean, I can tell you right now, your biggest accomplishment, I feel, is enrolling me into Rob Dallas program because I always say this all the time. If it wasn't for you, if you didn't show up that day, if you were not 100%, hey, you know, I'm going to show up, I'm going to listen to this dude, I'm going to get him to this program. But it took you and your confidence and most importantly, yourself, like the way that you showed up on that call is the way that you are today. So I just want to ask you, how did you go about learning as far as, you know, sales is sales, we can always teach about skill, but more about the mindset behind it and you being the way that you are. And as I mentioned about the whole quantum leaps thing, where everybody just wants to go, 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 where you're, you stay in the moment. I'm very intrigued by that. Yeah. So, I mean, like <clears throat> the root of the question there is uh, what's the philosophy or approach yeah, the okay. approach, I guess that's the word I'm looking at. What is the actual approach about that? Because as I said, for me, it's just like, let's who's up there at number one? All right, let me get there and go after it. But that's from what I'm hearing from you. That's not the way you operate when it comes down to sales. I mean, there's a couple different approaches. And one thing I just try and be wary of is like the house of a thousand mirrors. You can find just about any kind of belief system, any kind of support idea. Like if you plant the seed of any belief, it'll probably grow and, and foster into whatever you want it to be. Right. So if, if my belief system is, Hey, I need to be in complete alignment and I'll typically see these quantum leaps in my evolution. That, I mean, my behavior, my actions are going to line up with that. Other people could be like, Hey, I just need to chop wood and methodically cut down what I want. Right. So I, I don't think it, it's necessarily so much about what my approach is. And I'm happy to dig into that as much as it is about having an approach, having a philosophy. It's like money. You know, if, if you don't have a relationship with money, you probably never will have it. It doesn't matter if you're putting all your eggs in one basket and watching the, the basket like a hawk. It doesn't matter if you're super diversified. It doesn't matter if you're like, hey, I'm all in real estate doing the Burr method. It, it doesn't matter what it is because all of it does work. It just matters if like you're really aligned and living that philosophy, just going all in on that. Right. So, I mean, my approach is my approach and, you know, I've found through certain modalities, if I don't feel aligned, it just doesn't serve me. And so I think in short, through messing up a lot, really, really just messing up a lot, being willing to be the man in the arena, right? Like being willing to be foolish, being willing to, to burn some bridges, ultimately trying to do the right thing. And you just pick yourself up and keep going. I mean, that's what sales is all about, just showing up. Now you're right about that showing up. And I always say it's with sales, you can always teach skills, but it's always like the will, like you got to want to learn and be able to be open. Because you guys have said, if you have the will, you'll learn the skill with that. And mm, I like, like that. And with you, I always see that you've had the will. And I mean, and I've seen you teach. I mean, and what you teach, you're, you teach ninja type shit, man. The way, I mean, I sit down over there and I take pages of notes. So I just want to kind of give you your flowers with the fact that like we all learn from the community of Rob Dow, thousand plus coaches, and even myself being an elite coach and being a successful business person. I'm just like, holy fuck, like this dude is just learning. I mean, I'm learning so much from you. So I just want to 
acknowledge and mention that. So I appreciate. I want to jump. Man. Yeah, of course, man. But I want to jump a little bit about because I laugh when you share stories about you living on a farm, right? And and you know, and all like your analogies. You're like, oh yeah, I lived on a farm. Or so I want you just to talk about a little bit your childhood, if that's that's okay, man. Kind of fill us in about Colton growing up and in the environment that you grew up in. Yeah, I mean, well, if anybody hasn't heard of Panama City Beach, it is what used to be the home of MTV Spring Break. And so it was like this weird dichotomy of growing up in an area where, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a full-fledged farm, but I mean, we had horses and pigs and, you know, chickens and all kinds of stuff. We had a little victory garden and yeah, it, it was just a real choppy childhood. You know, I'm one of four boys. I'm the only one that hasn't been to jail or prison. And yeah, it was just a really dynamic environment. A lot of people would probably throw out labels like trauma. But, you know, through a lot of work, I was able to kind of unpack why certain things happened in my childhood the way they did. But at the end of the day, I'm super grateful for all the lessons I had and everything I came through because it it made me into the man I am today, you know? So it was like really fun and also kind of messed up, you know? So yeah, I don't know how how you say it any, any more succinct than that. But you mentioned something about, you know, there were animals that you would do certain things. And I don't recall exactly what it was, but like you were just saying, oh, yeah, I was on a farm, a typical day on the farm. And I just want to know, I guess, what's what's the what's the most common thing that you did on a day to day that most people won't view as common? I mean, cleaning horse troughs, not like the stalls, but like the water horse troughs. That was the thing I despised the most. (laughs) All the green, gross gunk that would just build up on the inside of these troughs like that's just something you never think about like yeah horses want fresh water too so you just got to get out there and like every like week or so like scrub these things down it's just ah hated that oh dude you're cringing i can see you cringing as you're like talking about as if that's trauma (laughs) trauma. that's trauma yeah oh shit but i want to i guess okay so you've been successful in cutco and sales you've done a lot of a lot of things and now obviously you're running with sales and crushing it with with rob dial but uh, what led you to the path of getting into the whole coaching world because you've i mean as i said with sales i know with me shiny object syndrome like there's so many things that i could have jumped into but with you i want to know what led you to the path of of this coaching world i mean it was honestly it was a bit of a psychology switch because I, I just got into the point where with Cutco things had, you know, taken the route a little bit. And with now doing coaching, I wasn't the best coach in Cutco because it was so transactional as far as how to get results that the product sold itself. So anytime I was mentoring others, I, I just wasn't the best at tapping into their emotional state because I'm like, man, it's straightforward. You make a certain amount of calls. You'll do a certain amount of appointments. Even if you're terrible, if you just show up, you'll make a certain amount of sales and they'll average out to this. So you could like really predictably understand like you could chart out, Hey, what your results are going to be for a certain amount of action. There was no emotion involved. And I think it's kind of funny. Like this is a frame that I've unpacked a lot in life that we'll do this like yo-yo of emotions going through life. The highs being really high and the lows being really low. And a lot of time that's, that's based off of what outcomes are coming out in our day to day. 
And if you talk to someone like, say, like Jeff Bezos or any like high manager, Bezos could be overused, but take any high level manager of a Fortune 500 company. They're just so detached from the outcome. I mean, they're working on things that are, you know, four, six, eight cues ahead, right? They're, they're thinking one, two, three years ahead. They're, like whatever's happened in that quarter, they are mildly paying attention to, but they are hyper-focused on what's coming down the line. So they're so detached from the outcome that is currently playing out in their life. They realize the only thing that's going to help them really be sustainably happy as far as like the company as an entity being happy is through action. So the closer and closer you get to say like a ground account or the closer and closer you get to say your daily actions and outcomes, the more you tie your emotions to your outcomes, typically the less happy you're going to be. So if you're going to be emotional about anything, you should be emotional about your level of activity. And that's something I learned about in Cutco was that like, hey, I, I can't be focused on day-to-day. Just zoom out a little bit. Well, Alan Watts, right? Order and chaos, order and chaos. The further you zoom out, typically the more order there is. So yeah, you only learn that by just getting out there and busting knuckles, right? Knocking on doors. And you did that. And you did that for, how long did you do that for? Knocking on doors. Well, it was like cold referrals. I never really like knocked on doors unless somebody, you know, if I was in a contest, something I would do is if someone wasn't home, I'd go knock on the neighbor's door and be like, Hey, do you know Sally Sue's home? They're like, Oh no, I saw her leave. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, and just kind of like <laughs> go into a pitch and every now and then it'd work. Yeah. Oh, so geez. it was never really knocking doors. It was actually sharpening more of the skill of referrals. Yeah. I mean, and that's something that a lot of business people do not take advantage of. I saw a statistic the other day about referrals and they say only 8% of business owners ask for referrals. And when they do ask for referrals, 40% of the time they actually get it. So why are business people, why are business owners not asking for referrals? Probably because they get nervous and they don't ask twice. Because most people are going to tell you no, right? So out of that 8% that do ask, I would assume probably 80, somewhere between 70 to 85% of those prospects give some kind of resistance of like, oh, I don't know, I'll think about it and get get it back to you. Or I'll work on a list and send it over. When the product comes in, I'll have something ready for you. But if you lean into that second time, that's when the arch is open, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's just a, a little nerve wracking to be fair, to be frank, because you got to be pretty forward with people and they got to trust you. It's going to be a lot of trust there. So it depends how transactional the relationship is. Yeah, man. I love that because I always say that there's three reasons why people won't buy from you and it's, they don't trust you. They're fearful and they don't see value. Mm -hmm. I never, ever say it has anything to do with money now because I want to jump into the next topic. But before we do, I want to, I, I just want you to kind of elaborate because as I said, this is a sales ninja, the smartest, one of the smartest guys I know in sales, right? I guess for the, for, for the listeners out there who are in commission sales, real estate, anything to do with, with sales in general, right? They are, they, I'm going to say objections, right? When they hear the word, no, a lot of them get discouraged. Now, you said something I would love to share share over here is that objections are what? 
Well, ejections are based on on frame and context, right? I think the, like the the easiest answer to pander to, to a question like that would be like objections are a search for more or seeking more information. There you go. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> I was just kind yeah. of put that layup over there. But yeah, it's yeah, like that's what most people would say. They, they, they so what I'm saying is that like they hear no and then they think, okay, I don't want to be pushy as soon as that. And you know, I mean, you and I coach a lot of people, and I know like just in sales in general. So, like, what advice would you say to the person who says, I just don't want to be pushy? So when they say no, I don't lean into the objections. So for somebody who has been a Hall of Fame salesperson, I know you got that Rolex and you're crushing it in, in today's day. What's your advice to those, those sales people who, who are struggling with that? Don't have your prospect tell you no. And what I mean by that is don't ask a yes or no question. So if you don't want to be pushy, don't put somebody in a position to tell you no. Love that. So what I, what I would unpack past that is like, okay, if you're being told no, you're probably asking a yes or no close. Do you want to buy this thing? Yes or no. You're only giving them two options. So when some people, when, when someone says like a no means they're seeking more information, I don't know if I totally line with that. I think it's if you're getting objections in a close, they're seeking more information. So you have obstacles and you have objections. And if you go further up from your close, when you're in discovery process, when you're trying to see if what you do aligns with the prospect needs, so to speak, that's where you're going to cover a lot of your obstacles. Because once you start to close, then you're turning into objections. This is a Hermosi frame. So if you're being told no a lot, you're probably asking the wrong question. So I, I would move it into more of like, how does this work for you? I just don't know if this is the right solution. Okay. Can you, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Can you just tell me why you feel like this wouldn't be the right solution? Here's why. And then you have an opportunity to realign the prospect with what they said earlier as to why this would be the right solution. Right. So hopefully that's helpful. It's like you don't want to be in yes or no scenarios often because if it's, if it's really a no, it should be coming from the rep. They should go, hey, we can't provide the service. We can't provide the solution. We know we're not going to live up to the benchmark that's going to serve this client. So we're going to have to back out. I love that answer. And that's been a big help for myself is just go into that open-ending questions without asking, you know, a yes or no question. So yeah, dude, that was that was very helpful. And I'm sure that's gonna help a lot of the listeners. So thank you for that, dude. Mm-hmm. And now let's transition. Professional hippie. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about first off your professional hippie podcast and, and the concept behind it and, and why you started it. I know you have a buddy that you're doing it with. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, in short, I mean, early in my career, I was really, really driven because of not necessarily being the black sheep or the golden egg in my family, but definitely being distinctly different in that I saw my all of my family members have a, an immense amount of potential. And there was kind of like this stigma that wanting to have a lot of fun you know, my upbringing, so to speak, carried with it this connotation that you couldn't also be hyper successful. And so I had this kind of bent, twisted purpose earlier in my career to be really successful and to party a lot, but also to be successful so I could back up and no one could tell me, hey, you can't do that thing. And it started as a kid. I was like, hey, if I got straight A's, I can miss, I almost didn't graduate high school. I was top five of my graduating class. And I almost didn't graduate because I missed so many days of school. Like the teachers would find me out in the hallway and they're like, what class are you supposed to be in? I'm like, this is my planning period. And they're like, then we don't, 
<laughs> my planning period. We don't have that. That's not a thing at this school, you know? So like they carried over into college, college carried over into my career. And I just realized at a certain point, like I could, I could just give, I could just be who I wanted to be. But professional hippie came from the idea of like, I was up, I was at this party in, in Denver and, you know, it was real, real late. I mean, we're like four in the morning and, and I'm looking around and, you know, I'm doing some drugs with these guys that are super successful. And I just looked around and I'm like, how funny is it that if the people that looked up to these people saw what they were doing right now, they might think less of them. And I, I just sat with that for a moment. I was like, actually, they might think that they're a bit more human. It would humanize them rather than idolizing them and, and take them off this pedestal. And I started to realize I had a lot of people in my network like that, that were living not double lives, but posturing themselves towards reality and society in a way that really diminished what fueled them, what allowed them to feel fully alive. So not only is it kind of like, hey, they're living double lives, which doesn't really serve them, but it doesn't serve other people too, to know that they have this other thing, this other outlet, and that they feel emotions too. They're not always just crushing it, right? And so that was kind of the impetus for spreading a message of like, hey, it's okay to want to experiment, to want to invite in ways to blow off steam, to whether that's taking medicines that are counterculture to Western society, or whether that's doing drugs or whether that's meditating. What, you know, there's a lot of different ways to be the best version of yourself. And I'm not saying there's any one best way, but I just definitely realized, especially with the renaissance of consciousness that's common in psychedelic therapies, that most people are just really ill-prepared with understanding what's available to help them heal. And if you're not having fun, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you here for? Preach. So that's what it's really all about. I mean, I had a couple of light bulb moments along the way, but that's where I've arrived at. It's just like, it's not going to pretend to be anybody I'm not. Oh, man. And, and, and we all, everybody who knows you knows that you are just authentic, like a badass Colton. And yeah, you, you are as real as it comes. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I want to talk about, I sent you an article or I guess a, a clip last week, I believe it was about Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. And anybody who doesn't know who Aaron Rodgers is, he's a quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, successful, just won the most recent, most valuable player, right? He said how psychedelics helped him. There's been a lot of, you know, mixed feelings about this. People, people are saying, no, like psychedelics are, are bad for you. But now we're seeing studies that psychedelics is actually not as bad for you, actually could be beneficial. Can you just talk to us about psychedelics, what you know about it? Because I know how much research you've done on this and how much you know about this. And just kind of just educate, educate the world, educate the listeners right now on your, just your take on psychedelics. Yeah. And just first off, thank you for the opportunity and the platform to help spread some information here because I think it's just really important the second time around, like we're going through another renaissance with psychedelics. I think there's a lot of people that are hanging on to their parents' belief systems and they might not even know where those belief systems came from. So without getting too far into the history of how 
there's this story wrapped around psychedelics the way that there is, which I highly encourage everyone just even watch. There's a really cool Netflix show, How to Change Your Mind, based on Michael Pollard's book. And what I would say is first off, off the gate, psychedelics are not for everyone. Okay. Just get that out of the way up front. Am I a big supporter, big proponent of them? Absolutely. Do I think alcohol is for everybody? Everyone knows somebody that alcohol is not for. (laughs) You're right about that. Right? And so we should regard, and there's a place for alcohol as a medicine. And there's a place for alcohol as a recreational substance. Psychedelics are no different. They are just an opportunity, an invitation to give someone something to step into, an opportunity to shed some, some bullshit. And there's varying degrees, there's varying dosages that you can take these medicines at. And honestly, the most, some of the most profound experiences I've ever had in my life have come through psychedelics and realizing how in, insignificant we are in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we just hustle and bustle as humans. Like that's, there's nothing wrong with it, but that's the thing about just slowing down and taking it in that I, I love a great parable by Sam Harris. The parable might not be the right term here, but you know, a little frame to think of this through that he said, Hey, if I teach you how to meditate for eight years with no reasonable suspicion, can I guarantee that you will meditate the same way I meditate, that you'll actually achieve the state of consciousness that I have. Just like if we worked out for eight years, there might be some visible results, but there's no guarantee that you're wired the same way I'm wired, that, that you can actually achieve the same state that I'm trying to get you to, right? Now, what psychedelics allow us to do is I, if I give you 400 micrograms of LSD, I can, with a fair amount of certainty, guarantee that within about 40 minutes, the weight of your existence is going to come bearing down in your shoulders. And that's absolute. It is a definite assurance that that is going to happen. And so that's what these kind of modalities allow us to do is gives us shortcuts to access parts of our brain, to access parts of our human existence that otherwise, for most people, would just be out of reach. And then once you're there... Once you've seen that clearing in the forest, you know how to get back there faster. So it's a mind map, if you will. It's an unraveling that allows you to put it back in order, in order that serves you. Wow. Thank you so much. That was perfectly, perfectly explained. And I love how you put the, 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 the map in your brain. I actually envisioned that. And the question I have for you is, you mentioned, I guess I'm going to use the term portion control, right? Like anything else, alcohol, drugs, anything, you know, it's all about portion control. And you said recreational. I mm-hmm. think that's what kind of dilutes anything and everything that we do. I feel like is just everybody overindulges or most people overindulge and, and it takes away from the benefits with psychedelics. What are the main benefits? Mm-hmm. I mean, so that, that could be really subjective, right? Like for me, the main benefits of psychedelics and to define psychedelics, right? Cause some, some people don't necessarily know what psychedelics are. It's inducing an altered state of consciousness, right? So you could have dissociative things like ketamine or 
potentially even, yeah, alcohol would probably fall under like a dissociative or depressant. But so a, a psychedelic for me allows me to just shed off a lot of the day-to-day buildup and bullshit that comes through. And, you know, most recently I went off into the woods and camped by myself and took a hero's dose of, of mushrooms. And there's a oneness that washes over you that, um, for me, it just isn't readily present in my everyday waking state. And so it it just invites in a sense of clarity and peace and calmness. And at certain times, there's also the other side of trepidation and terror that can be invited in too. So psychedelics are not just butterflies and rainbows. And that's the word of caution I'd spread out to everybody is that if you think it's just always like hippy dippy love and and magic, sometimes you get a, a helping dose of what you need, not what you want. So that in itself too, that's a benefit being served up real shit that you've been avoiding and just kind of turning your eye to the whole time. Psychedelics will invite that shit up too. And you got nowhere to run. You got nowhere to hide. You're in your own mind. And so some people should not tug at the anchor of reality. I want to throw out a couple of disclaimers here that, you know, if what I'm saying is really inviting that you want to do it the right way. Yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because as I said, as you know, as any other type of drug, people tend to overuse, abuse, so, you know, I love the way that you, you explained it and, and with disclaimers, because I know somebody, we, we, it's a mutual person that we both know, said that the difference between alcohol or, or weed or whatever it was compared to when they tried psychedelics was that they were numbing with alcohol. They were numbing with marijuana, but they were able to un, unblock stuff with the psychedelics. Is that a fair assessment? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the one thing that I've learned from just educating myself on this is that it's not a number. It's not something to take to numb. It's something to actually make you feel. So that I think is very important because if there's one thing I'm realizing in today's world with the pill epidemic, with the alcohol is that nobody wants to fucking feel anymore. And it drives me crazy. Nobody wants to feel, you know, whether that the good emotions, the bad emotions, oh my God, something bad happened. Let me grab a drink. And it's like, holy shit. Like this is, this is the world that we live in. We can't feel. And then now we're having people, like, as I said, we'll bring up Aaron Rodgers and he, Aaron Rodgers did this, spoke out openly and it's helped him. It's helped him through blocks that he's had through his life, through his career and I just feel that sometimes it's, it's got to be acknowledged the, the benefits of certain things. Obviously, you know, we got, I'll say it again and again, disclaimer, like there's every risk with drugs, but in this situation, I've seen it open up like a whole new world for people who have been held back their whole life. And so thank you very much for breaking that down. And to add to that, I think one of the tough things that we get roped into is like these ideas that there are blanketed solutions, right? So like, very taboo topic that I, I apologize for even potentially inviting in here, but it's, it's oh. the truth. Like take the vaccinations, right? That was a very blanketed solution where everyone's like, Hey, we can agree on this, right? Whether you agree or disagree, doesn't matter. The ones that did agree could look at it as a blanketed solution. Well, there were statistical anomalies in understanding that, all right, there's, there's a, a tolerance level here it might be as low as say 0.0004%, but 
but that there will be casualties. There will be symptoms. There, there will be side effects, right? Ill side effects. And, and that's just statistically baked in, right? That there is no 0.0. There's always something after that. Even take something like the vaccine, right? Big brother looking out for you. And so regardless of where you stand on that, same thing with psychedelics, same thing with any medicine, anything ever. It's a dynamic conversation. It is a not one size fits all. And so often people want to bring that to the table. Well, yeah, but, and they point fingers. It's like, look, it is your duty and responsibility as a human being to figure out what you need. And that's what people shy away from is what they truly need, speaking their truth versus conforming and just taking the path of least resistance and listening to what other people think they need versus listening to their heart center and going towards that. And I'll tell you, as far as what I've been drawn to in sales and in psychedelics, I wanted nothing to fucking do with it. I didn't ever want to work as hard as I had to work in sales. I didn't want to have to be a lighthouse for others and psychedelics and stand up for what I believe in. But I felt if I didn't go that path, man, I just felt myself slip into depression. I felt these like really terrible gripping feelings come over me that the only way to escape them was to numb, to run away. And I just encourage anyone that's listening to this, if you feel like you're drawn to someone, something, or somewhere, give yourself the permission to feel and to chase after it. Listen to a whisper, it gets louder. And that's all I'd encourage anyone to do is allow that whisper to be amplified through your heart's center. Truth hurts. Truth fucking hurts. But you'd rather feel than go into the dark night quiet. You'd rather go kicking and screaming. So like, hey man, I didn't want this walk. I didn't want this path. But by doing it, a lot of great shit's happened. It's caused a lot of grief too. But that's what we're here for. I think that's what we're here for, to have a human experience, a whole human experience, and it's dynamic. So don't think what I'm saying is the right way for you. Don't think what someone else says is the right way for you. Just make up your own decision and make a fucking decision. Man, dude, preach, preach, preach. That was powerful. I felt your passion, and I love how you said, listen to your whispers, Colton. That was powerful, powerful, powerful. So please anybody resonated with this, please, 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 please reach out. This is very, very powerful. Now, Colton, before we wrap this up, I have to ask you, what fills your cup to help others with theirs? That's a good question. I think, man, I just love making people happy. I love making people smile. And and sometimes, you know, get... I'll tell you what, as, as I'm thinking of that, I'm looking over to oh, my wall here and I have, I have a, a wall of pictures that a friend made when I came back from backpacking. It was my first trip backpacking and I went on to like a dozen countries or so. And right around that trip, I helped build a medical clinic in Haiti. And I went with a whole bunch of friends of mine. I've been a couple of times now. That medical clinic, it's Angel Wings International. If you feel like you need something to give to, that's a great cause. And nothing satisfies me more than giving somebody something they can't give themselves. Like that's what fills my cup, man. I mean, I'm even getting emotional thinking about it. Like 
when you can give somebody else something that they can't give themselves, like they literally, they can't give it to themselves. They need you. That's a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. When you see one human if, as a man or as a woman, when you have the opportunity to look a fellow human being, not a child, but a grown person in the eyes and give them something they themselves can't give them. It doesn't have to be material good, but in coaching, a lot of times it can be, you know, a frame. It can be a modality. It can be an analogy. It can be a couple words that make the difference in someone deciding to wake up or just stay numb. And because somebody at some point gave me something that I couldn't give myself, I now have the honor and kind of the duty to help others. But there's, man, there's nothing like that. I'll tell you. Well, I, I've seen you do that. And, you know, we've heard this all the time. You never go broke giving. And you are one of the most selfless people I know. And I just want to tell you, I commend you. I thank you for what you do in Rob Dow's community, what you're doing right now, given, you know, the message, you know, to the listeners of it, just education wise, Colton, this is what you do. You are a busy guy and you come on over here, taking time out of your crazy busy day to just share and give. So that's something that I want to just commend and, and tell you why like I, I love that. And that's what I love about you, that you're just you're, you're that type of a person. You're as real as it comes. And you've been doing nothing but dropping some damn fire, Colton. So I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy day to hop on this. Can you please let the listeners know how to connect to Colton and how, you know, what you got going on, anything that you do have going on and just kind of how they can link up with you? Yeah, for sure. And first off, you know, I just want to say, hey, you're one to talk. You're easily the most selfless person I know, dude. Come on. One of the busiest cats, but also the best. So like, I'm not going to let you point fingers. Hey, if you want to connect with me, the best place to do it, well, check out my podcast, Professional Hippies. If you're interested in anything about like psychedelics and business, that's the idea is that we kind of marry the hippie woo-woo to, you know, the hyper-professionalism. Or you can connect with me on Instagram at Colton DM. C-O-L-T-O-N, D is in dog, M is in Mary. And we'll yeah, have him. Uh, Spotify, I put, I put the videos on there so you can watch it while you listen. Yeah, and as I said, we'll have them on the show notes as well. So, Colton, thank you. Thank you so much, bro. And thank you, bro. That's, no, and that's that. Thank you, everybody, for showing up and listening. Make sure you share this with your family, friends, and tribes if you think this is valuable information. Make sure you share this on social media. Remember, why not you? Why not now? Thank you so much. You have a freaking awesome day.